Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I spent the next couple years like going into patterns like that where I would date the nice guy because he was safe and I knew he wouldn't leave me, but I didn't really like him, you know? And then I would leave him and then go date the absolute tool and, you know, do things to make him want me and then, you know, go back to dating the nice. I was always this like, you know, I couldn't find a happy medium. And then you finally realize that like, you just probably need to be single for a while. Figure out what it is that you like to do and are good at and what makes you feel valuable as a human outside of a relationship. And that's really what led me to where I am now. Welcome to the Healing Her podcast. This is your grief expert and friend, Ashley Lemieux. Welcome back, you guys, to this week's episode of Healing Her. So we are still in our New York podcast series, which has just been so fun. And I feel like I could pinch myself right now because of the guest that is sitting across from me. Before I introduce who she is, I want to preface this by saying, you know, on Healing Her, we talk about so many tangible tools to help ourselves feel better, help ourselves be able to move forward. And a really important aspect of all of our lives are the relationships that we're in. I know that I have the privilege of who I married because he is so supportive that we can be on our healing journey together. And I just want to recognize that I know that not all relationships are that way. And it does add this layer of complexity when you are in your healing journey. If you're partner isn't supportive or they're not on the same page as you are. So today we are going to talk about relationships and finding ourselves in them and being in healthy relationships and what that looks like. And wherever you land on that spectrum, whether you are single or dating or engaged or in a marriage, I hope that you can pull something from this conversation that will support you, that you can move forward with. And of course, with us, we have to have this conversation with the internet's relationship queen who doesn't put up with any relationship BS and calls it like it is. With me, I have Anna Kai, who spent her 20s dating all the wrong men in New York City, which if you follow her on Instagram and TikTok, we get to hear a little bit about the chads 
of her world. She's known for her get ready with me videos on TikTok at it's maybe both. And don't worry, I'm going to link her below and on Instagram, maybe both where she dishes out no BS dating and life advice while doing her makeup, which always looks insane, by the way. Amazing. And it uses her platform to champion women and marginalized voices and to remind her community of two million combined biddies that love is truly not lost at all if we know how to find ourselves first. Born to Chinese immigrants, Anna's social media handles are an homage to being both Chinese and American, to the multitudes that lie within us all, and to the fact that she always wants two desserts at dinner, ice cream, and cheesecake, if anyone's asking. Anna, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat. I'm so excited to chat. <laughs> We're all coming from two very, we're in the sexy Big Apple, and I'm coming from the non-sexy Connecticut, and you're coming from the sexier Phoenix area, so it's Phoenix, great to be here. We love Phoenix. I actually came from North Carolina, though, so the contrast of <laughs> this quiet town that I'm in, which people who right. live there thinks it's the big city because the surrounding towns go into Winston-Salem for Trader Joe's, and I don't... I don't know stores that they don't have. And I feel like I'm living in this small, quaint little country town. And then everyone tells me, no, this is our biggest It's city. all relative. It's all relative. Yeah, it so like, here we are, though. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Speaking of, it's very quiet in here, which is great. I know. It's great. So then we can just hear ourselves I chatting. I can, I can hear the anxiety in my head. The oh, entire, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> like, well, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's I know, let's right? dig into the anxiety. I... I'm like, where do we start? Because you are full of so much life tips and relationship advice. But I know that where you're at now with your husband in the suburbs in Connecticut isn't how you spent the majority of your 20s. So can we kind of rewind to get to where you are now? Can you set the stage of what did life look like for you when you were living in the city? Because I think it's important that people who are listening have that background. I moved to New York City when I was 18. So I went to NYU for undergrad. And thinking about it now, I, you know, I'm 33 and I'm like, okay, at some point I'm going to have kids and they're going to go to college. And oh my God, would I ever let my kid go to college <laughs> in New York City? Um, I guess I'd have to if that was their choice. But that's kind of where it started. So I, f I loved NYU. It was the only school for me um, in retrospect. But it is sort of this weird amalgamation of like you're a college student, but you're also just living in the city. And so I think you're exposed to a lot more than maybe an 18 or 19 year old should be exposed to. We'll kind of leave it at that. So I ended up dating people that were not my classmates when I was at NYU. And then shortly after graduation, it's like, it's hard to, I'm from Philly originally, like the suburbs of Philly, it's hard to graduate from NYU and then go back home. So I stayed and I lived in New York City for a total of 11 years. And I spent most of those years single and dating and not because I ever had a phase where I was like, I don't want a relationship or I just want to be single for a while. No, I was always looking. And I graduated from college at an interesting time. I graduated in 2013. Tinder had just come out, the OG dating app, in 2012. And I remember, you know, I have always tried to plan my life like five steps ahead. 
And I always love that phrase, like, man plans and God laughs, because my life is just such a classic example of that. So senior year of college, I dated a guy, and I was convinced he was going to be my husband. And I was like, he was Jewish, and I was like, or he still is Jewish, he's still alive, I think. Um, And (laughs) I was, like, ready to convert for him, and, you know, because that was really important to him. And I, you know, I wasn't really raised with religion, and so it was... To me, if that was important to my partner, it was important to me. And so I was ready to do all this. And then he broke up with me. Mm. And I had like no identity after that because my identity in college was a college student trying to figure out what the hell she was going to do after college. And it was really comforting to think about, okay, well, I don't know where my life is going to go after college, but at least I know I'm going to be with this person. And when that was like ripped out from underneath me, I was like, who the hell am I? I was graduating with a essentially a liberal arts major and going to pursue acting. Like what? That is <laughs> the most unstable life path ever. And so I had no relationship, not much of a job. I came out and I um, was a personal assistant for a year to a woman who lived on the Upper East Side as a means to like obviously support myself while I was pursuing this crazy dream of mine. And it just sort of morphed into this seven, eight-year-long experience where I was just in the city dating, doing weird jobs, like, you know, running down a dream and a man and not finding either. And so that's what my background is in. Um, I like to say kind of tongue-in-cheek that I come from failure, but, like, that's the whole reason I have everything I have. And, like, when I think about how unconventional my life has been, both in terms of my career and in terms of my relationship, I wouldn't have it any other way. Of course, when I was 22, I had friends who met their now husbands in college, and I was like, God damn it. Like, Or I have a, a couple girlfriends, actually, who went on one online date, and that's their husband, and they're great. And I'm like, what the hell, you know? But I couldn't have been the person I am now with all of those chads the non-chads without me being the chad in a lot of the relationships and you know some people just have to learn the hard way and I have always been one of those people well something that you just said I heard you say a couple times that I want to talk about because I think this is so important is that when the guy you thought you were going to marry when he broke up with you that you felt like you lost your identity And then you spent the next few years doing different jobs, dating different men, trying to find that identity. And when I look back on my own college experience, this is something that I've actually never talked about. So this is kind of fun and a little bit terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) At the same time, I'm like, I'm like, how juicy do we want to go here? And how we're getting into it. Are we are we going? Are we just just two married women talking about our, you know, past relationships? (laughs) I feel like (laughs) get a little I I just got a little bit uh, nervous. (laughs) I spent many years And I say this also as someone who got married young at the age of 23. But prior to him, I was in a very long on again, off again relationship that started in high school and went through college. And then when I was in college, during the times we were off and then after we finally broke it off for good, was dating these guys who I had no business dating, or maybe I should reframe that, had no business dating me at that time in their lives. As you were talking about 
<laughs> some of the guys you were chasing. This memory, it's like turned into a core memory. I don't know why, because this is so wild and so not who I am now, but I wanted to do anything to impress him. I wanted to do anything to have him just love me and accept me and want to be with me. I don't even know why because he didn't treat me super well. But there's this one time where he got a new shot collar for his dad. I mean, for his dad, he did not get a shot <laughs> collar like, for his oh dad. My God. Wow. This, this, story just took, this story just took a wild turn for his dog. It was like, did I miss you the dad or the shot yeah. collar part? Like this story is already turning out terrible. Okay, yeah. Well, he got a shock collar for his dog. And he says, I wonder, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this right. I can't believe I'm telling this story. <gasps> he said, I wonder what this would be like on a human. Can I try it on you? <gasps> and you know what I said? Because I was 19 and just thinking I was in love with this guy who I really wanted to love me back. Yeah. I said yes. Yeah, of course you did. Of course I did. Oh my God. So that is the summary of how I treated myself in relationships with guys in my college days. And the same guy is also the one who told me that he couldn't come over for a date night that we were supposed to have because he was so busy studying. So I went to his house just to drop off some food for him. I wasn't going to stay to find that he was not there because he was actually hooking up with the girl who he had been cheating on me with. Isn't that wild? It's wild. The stuff we used to put up with. The shot collar story is gonna just, that is a core memory. It is now my core memory too. I'm like, oh my God, how did you feel? I have so many follow-up questions. I think that part of my life, college Ashley feels so different than who I am now. And that was also, I'm 36, so. How many? 17 yeah, years ago, right? <laughs> so there's so many just different ways where that just feels like so long ago that I don't remember physically what it felt like. But I remember I told my sister and her now husband after that and her husband, my brother-in-law, will never forget it because he's like, what kind of guy made you do that? And what were you doing? Like, what were you doing? And what I was doing was trying to prove myself for some reason over and over in these relationships thinking, well, maybe this next guy is going to want me and then I'm going to feel a certain way, a different way but I about think myself. And see, I don't know, you know, everybody's got, I have some girlfriends who are like, would never allow that even at 17, 16 yes. or whatever. They mm-hmm. were just like born with confidence, self-assurance, whatever it was. That was not me. You know, I grew up outside of Philly and I was the daughter of Chinese immigrants and not, you know, we were, we grew up with very little and my parents moved us to a very affluent town so that I could go to the public schools there. And so I grew up one of the only non-white kids and also one of the poorest kids in my class. And I think all of my shit related to dating is, is around that trauma. You know, people were like, oh, were you abandoned? My parents were amazing. You know, they were absolutely incredible. I'm still so close with them and an only child, but they could only do so much, you know, and I would go to school and at best I had no friends. At worst, I was bullied, you know, and, and the way young girls bully is very different than like little boys bullying. It's yeah, all that psychological sure. warfare mm-hmm. and it's kind of like weaponizing exclusion, you know, rather than words or fists. 
And so I always had to work really hard to make friends growing up. I remember that. I was like, I just want people to like me. I just want to feel like I belong somewhere. And I always thought, you know, and by the time I hit high school, you know, I got a little bit more self-assured and I actually found a really great group of girlfriends who I'm actually still friends with today. But that didn't erase the first, whatever, 13 years of my life. And then, you know, you hit puberty and you realize that boys are staring at you differently than they used to. And it feels good because it's the attention you never got. Mm. And it's the attention you thought would fix everything. So I remember in high school, I was like, oh, I can get a boyfriend now. And, you know, the cool girls have boyfriends. And I just was like, this is my ticket to feeling good about myself, my boyfriend. And I, I've told this story a couple times on my socials, but I dated this really awesome guy junior year of high school. And he was great to me. And he wasn't a dweeb. He was like, really? Attra- he was great. He was all around great. But I left him because the like bad boy of the school who was like a little bit like tortured and like played mediocre guitar and wrote songs like liked me. And I left my wonderful, stable, caring boyfriend for that guy. And that set into motion the next whatever, almost decade of like behavior from me where I always wanted what I could not get because it was what I was used to dealing with. I was used to working for my relationships. And when it came easily, I was like, well, there's something wrong here, you know? So that's where it comes from for me. I don't know where it comes from for you, but like, I think so much of our personalities and our overall just shite as humans comes from like very a very young age, what we were traumatized by when we were eight, you know? And it's like, you spend your whole life trying to fight that off. And I spent the next couple of years like going into patterns like that where I would date the nice guy because he was safe and I knew he wouldn't leave me, but I didn't really like him, you know? And then I would leave him and then go date the absolute tool and, you know, do things to make him want me. And then, you know, go back to dating the nice. I was always this like, you know, I couldn't find a happy medium. And then you finally realize that like, you just probably need to be single for a while. Figure out what it is that you like to do and are good at and what makes you feel valuable as a human outside of a relationship. And that's really what led me to where I am now. If you follow me over on Instagram, you know that I have been using AG1 for years. I first gave AG1 a try because in 2020, I got really sick. And as part as my healing journey moving forward, there were a lot of vitamins and supplements that I needed to take so that my body could start functioning and get back to its baseline. I truly was taking between 10 and 15 different pills a day and it got absolutely out of control. So I found AG1 and it is incredible because you take one drink in the morning, that's it. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins and minerals and pre and probiotics and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also just powerfully simple. It's one scoop mixed in water, or if you're like me, I love putting it in my coconut water, once a day, every day. My husband has gotten on board (laughs) too, so I often find him using my AG1. He needs to get his own. But it's so important to me that my body has high quality nutrition and every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know it's safe and AG1 ingredients are sourced 
for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. A lot of times people ask me what it tastes like and it has this sweet little pineapple flavor to it. So I'm excited that AG1 is a sponsor of the Healing Her podcast and it's a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I'm so excited to welcome them as a new partner. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash healingher. That's drinkag1.com slash healingher. Check it out. But the shot caller story is like, uh, shocking, haha, pun intended, <laughs> but um, not shocking because I could see myself doing that. I could see myself doing a hundred things that are probably worse than that, honestly. Yes, yeah, like laying aside yeah. who you are and covering it up with who someone else wants you to be. And then when you do that for long enough, like you mentioned in the beginning, who am I? I've lost my identity outside of this relationship. I think that for so many of us, going back to what you just talked about, which is so important, is these patterns that we can find ourselves in. Is is why am I doing this? Why do, why do I keep repeating this pattern? A lot of times we do things that we feel either safe in or is something that historically we've done and is a pattern that needs to be healed but we instead of healing it we just find ourselves doing that thing over and over again for me and I won't go into my childhood here but there were some traumatic events that happened in my childhood that then changed how I viewed myself and then wanting other people to view me in a way that I would feel good about myself. I think that was my thing. And I I did it with the boys I was dating. Like that was my vice of I'm going to find my self-worth through their eyes. And I think a lot of women go through this place where where are we finding our confidence from? Because whether we've gone through whatever we're going through in our own lives, we also are living, all of us in the society that tells us what we should look like or how we should behave or what we should be doing or where we should find our worth. And so we have so many external voices that it makes it so easy for us to lose our identity, to forget who we are. And then we can find ourselves in our lives being like, what am I actually doing? So I know for you because you are married now and you and you talk about that and I say that and you smile, <laughs> you're beaming. What did that path look like for you to start finding out who Anna is so that then the trajectory of what you were pursuing, it changed? I'm very curious to hear what that looked like for you. 
Yeah, I think the whole process was one, my, all, my whole 20s was just one big phase of self-discovery. And I I can't remember where, I, I saw this on Instagram recently, like your 20s are about finding and losing yourself over and over again until you finally mm-hmm. find yourself. And I feel like that I was like finding myself and then I would lose myself and then I was like, oh, but I'm this person, I'm that person. And, you know, sometimes I always think that the you know, you were spared, I feel like, the weird situationships, even though obviously your ex-relationship in high school was very traumatic. I mean, the shock collar thing, that's wild. I can't imagine what the actual relationship was like, if that's like an anecdote you can pull. But, you know, I always think that for those of us who have had the privilege, if we can call it that, of dating in New York City (laughs) and being in these weird, like, two month, three month, very short, but very intense relationships where you think it's going somewhere and then it just ends. It's like, it's just so taxing. And so I think sometimes the shortest relationships are the most defining because they never had a chance to actually like sprout legs. So you have your imagination runs wild. And that's why, you know, my DMs are flooded with people like, I only dated him for four months. Why do I feel like I lost the love of my life? Whatever, whatever. I'm like, cause you never had a chance to see how horrible he actually was. So the defining moment for me was I dated a guy for six weeks, literally start to finish six weeks. And it was right after I had ended a two-year relationship, moved out of the guy's place. And I thought I knew who I was. I was like, cause I ended that relationship and I was living in his apartment and I was giving up a lifestyle that I could not afford on my own. He, in, in New York City, having a washer dryer in unit is like the pinnacle of luxury. Oh, it's a big deal. Yes. Yeah. I moved in with my ex, at, you know, now ex, and he had a washer dryer in his apartment. He had a beautiful apartment. It was a corner like suite with views of the city. And it was really comfortable. And he was great in some ways and great, not so great in others. And I left that. I moved out into my considerably less sexy apartment. And I was like so proud of myself. I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. Like I'm going to figure out my career and we're going to make this work. And then I met a guy shortly after in the new year in January on a dating app. And he was like everything that my ex wasn't. And I think at least on the surface, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it just really triggered like this need to be taken care of. Because my ex, even though he was older than me, like I felt very much like I was taking care of him and I'm, I'm just so used to like taking care of people. And, you know, um, so this guy, he was significantly older and he just said all the right things and I felt really good about myself. I was like, wow, he's like really into me. And I was too young at the time. I think I was like 25, 26. I was too young at the time to realize that what he was doing wasn't like healthy. It's very actually, now we have a term for it. It's called love bombing. But back oh, then, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah we like, didn't talk about we that. We didn't talk about that. No. We were just like, why was he, you know, blowing up my phone and then he just ghosts me. So he blew up my phone from the first date for like, you know, every day, all day long, texting, calling, whatever. And he had a very, very like big career. And so it was like very flattering that somebody in that position would take time out of his day, you know, to talk to me. And I didn't have much of a career at the time. I just gotten my real estate license. I was trying to make that happen because I knew I was like, okay, if I can carve out a career in real estate, it's going to give me the flexibility to audition and do what I need to do when I book a job. And 
he worked in media, which I think also was part of the allure. You know, it was like, and it was just, it. looking back now, I think I was in love with the idea of being him, not actually being with him. Mm. He lived the life I wanted to live. That being said, I still absolutely, you know, fell head over heels for him. And then I remember on Valentine's Day, it just stopped. Like, literally think about texting somebody from January 4th to February 14th all day, every day, seeing them multiple times a week. And then you just don't hear from them at all on Valentine's Day. And I was like, (gasps) freaking out. And then casually at 11 o'clock on Valentine's Day night, he was like, oh, sorry, crazy day. Like, how are you? And I was like... Something snapped in me because I was like, do you really think I'm that stupid? So I called him out on it and he was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not ready for a relationship. I'm not ready for a commitment. I'm willing to date you casually, non-exclusively. And I was like, what? That's what you do for a girl you're willing, you don't want to date exclusively? And I was crushed and I said, no, I was like, I'm leaving if I you can even call it that we were never together I guess but like I left and I was crushed and I was so depressed it was like shocking how depressed I was I've struggled with mental health pretty much on and off since I was 18 but I've always managed to kind of get myself out of it and I was like this is not normal how I feel it was like despondent and it was a man over I I knew over six weeks so I got into therapy and I knew at the time I was like all I wanted to do was like sit in my bed and cry And I was like, I am very much an action person. Like, if you let me wallow and be alone, I will never come out of it. I don't need, like, my space to heal. I need distractions. I need, like, to do things. I feel better when I'm around other people. I'm, like, the ultimate extrovert, right? Like, I could have had a horrible day, but if I'm with a girlfriend at the end of the day, I'm like, I feel reborn, you know? So I was like, I'm going to take all my energy for the next six months and pour it into this real estate career, which is like so unsexy. But I was like, I'm just going to go become like the best real estate broker I could be. And I'm going to try and make money. And that's and what ended up happening. It's like so unsexy. But I literally just was like, I'm going to become the best real estate agent I can become. I found a great company and I was making disposable, I was making enough money that I had disposable income for the first time in my life. Mm. And that was a really empowering feeling. And so I always encourage, you know, women, my followers, just please like, even if you just truly want to be a stay-at-home mom at the end of the day, which I think is wonderful because I don't think that's an easy job at all. My girlfriends who have had big careers have kids and they're like, I can't wait to get back to work because being a full-time mom is the hardest job it's in the world. So hard. They're like, please get me back to my PowerPoints. At least I can take a lunch break. Like the kid is nonstop, mm-hmm. right? So even if that's what you want, at least make sure financially you have some freedom. I don't care whether you have a trust fund or you are you are your own trust fund. Like figure it out because I always think like the women that I see that are trapped are the ones who can't get go anywhere because they can't leave. They don't have the means to leave. You know, life takes money. So it's like for me making my own money for the first time and having enough to spend on like a dinner out by myself was so empowering that by the time I was I started dating again I was like no longer a victim of like who didn't want me it was like well yeah it didn't work out you don't like me but like I have my job I love my colleagues I love the work 
work I was doing. And so that really was the tipping point. And so I think about that relationship probably more than you would think for a six-week relationship. But I think I needed that. I think I needed that utter devastation. And I knew at the time, I was like, this is not normal to feel this devastated over a six-week relationship. And so that means this guy triggered something in me that I need to work on. Yeah, it was partly him, but it's not all him. If I was like a fully stable person at the time, which I don't know when I'm ever going to be fully stable, but it's like, you know, whatever, a curve that we're slowly getting there. If I was probably more secure in who I was at the time, I wouldn't have even entertained that back and forth for six weeks because I would have been like, you know what? I really like you, but let's pump the brakes a little. and Let's see where this goes. Um, But you live and you learn. And that was the moment for me. That was the relationship that changed everything. And so I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful he love bombed me. I'm grateful he didn't want to be with me because even though it would have been easier for him to be with me and for us to live happily ever after, I wouldn't be the person I am today and um, I wouldn't be who I'm with today. It's so wild how similar a lot of our stories the sound, and I'm wondering, I wish... Oh, so did, the, did you feel crazy over a guy, too? Oh, you know, I, I'm like, yes. I have, yes, I have felt crazy over a couple of the relationships that I've been in, but it all always went back to me questioning myself. And what I think I'm hearing from you is it kind of propelled you, maybe for the first time in your life, where you started entering this lane of your life through your career and finances where you started finding this confidence. Yeah, I think financial freedom is so important for women because it's so emphasized for men, right? Mm -hmm. Little boys are taught from a very young age, go out there, climb the corporate ladder, make money, blah, blah, blah. Girls are kind of like, you know, at least our generation, I think it's much better for, you know, our kids or my future kids, your kids that women are taught like, hey, you should have an identity outside of who picks you effectively. But I think for us growing up, it was like, you know, your worth is who wants you. And, you know, oh, don't worry about your career. If you find a man, you know, marry rich, right? Or it's like, you know, you go to college and I've heard you're majoring in messes. You find a husband, don't worry about it. You don't need to work. You know, the dream, right? To find a rich guy and not have to worry about it. And then, you know, I always love the, I can't remember who said this, but somebody was like, oh, my mom told me to go marry a rich man. And I told my mom, mom, I am a rich man. (laughs) And I love that. And I think, you know, that is, it is just one of those weird things that like, I think women need to find financial freedom in order to find freedom. And it's not sexy because it's effectively all I'm saying is go work more. But like, Find value in what you do. Maybe if you don't love what you do, go find a different job, find a passion that, you know, find something that pays you and fulfills you. I think it's finding value outside of the term you use of of who has chosen yes. you. I was just at the grocery store with my little girl. She's almost 18 months old, a couple months ago. And the man behind me was so random, but he asked me what her favorite food was. And I said, oh, she actually really loves steak. And he said, oh, well, she's going to have to have a rich boyfriend or husband then to be able to keep up with her eating habits. And I was just like, I actually think that she's going to be capable of making her her own money and she'll be fine. She'll be able to buy it on her own. But for me in my life, so much healing came when I started liking myself outside of who I was with. 
the moments that I think for me transformed me the most and also were some of my hardest moments were the moments that I found myself alone. And I had to sit with, at the end of the day, when no one else is around, who am I and who do I want to be? I get asked so often from women, I think because they see my relationship with my husband, Mike, online, where do I find Mike? Like, how did you find Mike? How, where do I find him? Do guys like him exist? And I'm like, well, you see Mike, you didn't see the other dozen who at least, I mean, at least 20, I don't know, two dozen, three dozen, who knows, um, who weren't like Mike. And I think then to answer that question of, well, how do I find that person for me, I first had to start finding myself. What would you say to someone who is asking you that question of, of how do I find my person? Is that person even out there for me? Or I'm so exhausted from dating and feeling like this. Like, what do I do next? Because I just can't do this anymore. My advice is always rooted in extreme practicality and it's very unsexy. But first I would say, yes, that person is out there 100%. There is somebody out there for everybody. But second, okay, let's say, let's say, you know, benefit of the doubt, you as a woman, you love your career, you love your friends, you love your life, like you're a boss babe, you know, all of that stuff. Because that's the question I get sometimes in my DMs is like, I have the rest of my life figured out. I love what I do. I love who I am. I just haven't found him. And I think the flip side of that is like, you know, nobody said finding a partner was going to be easy or even somewhat easy or that it wasn't going to be painstaking because I don't think people like fully appreciate how much I swiped on the apps in my 20s. I would swipe so much in New York City that I would run out of men that that Bumble That's would be like searching, you know, the radius or whatever, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's like my thumbs would hurt, you know, that weird muscle in between your thumb and your index finger, like that is how, and then I would finish Bumble, I would, okay, well, that's it for there. I would go on Hinge, you know, and so it sounds desperate because it was. Mm -hmm. And I think desperation has such a negative connotation attached to it. And I think some of the best things in my life have been born out of desperation. So, you know, don't be afraid to be desperate. Don't be afraid to just keep going past the point that you think you can keep going. We are all way more capable than we think we are mentally, physically, all of that. So I, there there was also this moment, I was 26 and I ran the New York City Marathon, which if you knew me in high school, I couldn't even run the mile. I went to public school and in public school in Philly, when I was growing up, they make you do something called the presidential fitness test, which I don't know if that's a thing in Arizona. We had fitness tests that weren't like I don't that, know why but the they hell like it was timed called. you. And, yes. Oh, that was my worst day always yes. in school. Yeah. They would make you do like crazy crap. And like I was not an athletic kid and there would always be the mile run. So you'd have to run a mile. I could not run a mile I, or I did, but very, very slowly at like a 12, 13 minute pace. And then when I was 26, I just decided to enter the New York City lottery for the marathon. And I got in, which is like crazy because it's so hard to get 
yeah, into it's really hard. Yeah. And I got it. I was like, well, I guess I'm freaking running this thing. I was like, I didn't have to raise three thousand dollars. So I was like, okay, I'm running it. And I started off and I was like, I'm really gonna train and whatever. And then I like fractured something very small in my foot and couldn't train really. So I stopped training in like July of that year. And then but I was still going to run it. I was like, you know what? I'll heal. It wasn't like that big of a deal. And then come October, I started training again and I ran a half marathon. Like I got up to the point where I was running a half marathon in my training, which is pretty good. But like you still have it's 26.2 miles. I, I ran 13. Right. So you still have 13 miles to go. And I remember the guy I was dating at the time the night before the marathon. We went out to Italian because haha, carb load. That was really my training. Right. Um, just eating a ton of carbs <laughs> eat the, and eat hoping the pasta. that. Yeah. Like praying, eating and then just hoping for the best. The guy I was dating at the time was like, you know, because he knew how little I had trained. And he was like, Anna, not to be uninspirational, but what happens if you don't finish? You know, and I was like, I don't know where this unbridled confidence comes from because I'm really not this person. But I was like, you know, I am going to finish. I just know it. Like, I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I'm going to finish. And... That was really completely unfound, like unfounded confidence. And I remember I ended up finishing in three hours and 59 minutes, which is insane. Wow. It's like wild. And I never knew I had that in me, ever. I was the most unathletic kid ever. I, you know, I trained somewhat, but not to the level that I should have. And that was such an incredible experience. I mean, first of all, the New York City Marathon is this amazing energy. Yeah. Like if you love New York, Run the New York City Marathon. You will fall in love with this city. Oh, girl, like I'm not running a marathon. You don't but know, I though. Will, I will, <laughs> I'll, come, I'll come cheer someone yes. on, though. <laughs> but it is just this incredible endorphin rush. And I remember I was like, wow, like so many of my opinions of myself were just wrong. Like I never thought I could run for four hours straight, you know, and I never I didn't stop like at all. And it was just insane. So if I can run the New York City Marathon and not believe that I ever had that within me, like there is so much hidden in all of us that we haven't unlocked and that's life. And don't assume, you know, that you know everything. Again, it's like God, you know, man plans and God laughs. I love that phrase because it's true. It's like I have tried to plan everything out of anxiety, out of wanting to know what comes up, but it's like, you know, some of the greatest things that have, most of the greatest things that have happened in my life are so unexpected. One of my intentions coming into this year was to have systems in place to help me keep track of everything that we need to do in our household, for our family, especially as a busy working mom with a toddler. And the one question that gets asked every single night that sometimes just makes me want to bang my head into the wall is, what's for dinner? It's literally the question that day after day after day, we have to figure out. So this year I have ditched the stress of figuring out what's for dinner and I have become a member of Prep Dish Meal Plans. Now these meal plans have been helping me cook and they're really delicious, healthy meals, even on weeknights. That means I'm eating better than ever and I'm spending way less on takeout and have actual free time 
in the evenings. It's pretty amazing. Prep Dish is the best way for busy people to get healthy meals on the table without the stress. Subscribers receive an email every week with an organized grocery list and instructions for prepping meals ahead of time. This means dinner time is super quick and easy every day plus. The meal plans are always seasonal. This time of year includes plenty of hearty stews and crock pot meals, which I love to save for those days when I know I'll be home later and need dinner on the table fast. And if you think you don't have time to meal prep, I used to think the same thing, but the prep dish super fast meals plans, I can prepare five healthy dinners in just an hour. And trust me, that one hour of meal prep pretty much saves my sanity the rest of the week. It's 100% worth it. If you want to serve healthy homemade meals without the stress, the founder, Allison, is offering listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out prepdish.com slash healingher for this amazing deal. Again, that's prepdish.com slash healingher for your first two weeks free. It's that easy. So for somebody who's looking for that person, like suspend your disbelief that you're not going to find the right guy because, and I hope this comes off inspirational and not like derogatory, but like you're too stupid to predict the future. Take comfort in that, that like you're too dumb to know what the hell is coming you know, Prince Charming or whoever, you know, or even a guy named Dave or Mike <laughs> is going to come into your life and you're going to be like, I was a freaking moron. You know, a year ago, I thought I was going to die alone, whatever, you know. And that's what I take comfort in is I'm too stupid to predict the future. So I stopped trying. I mean, I still try. Oh, my God. Which, whatever. We, I mean, let's be honest. We like the control of it. Oh, my God. But <laughs> never goes away. And I think that's one of the hardest parts is wanting to control the future and then thinking, well, okay, if I make this work yes. right now, then I will at least know the predictability of what's going to happen. It's the devil we know. There's a huge yeah. comfort in that. And it's like, you know, I always think there's not necessarily a devil waiting outside for you if you just leave the devil you know. <laughs> oh, right. That's good. Yeah, so I like that perspective. many people are stuck in relationships where they're like, well, but like, he's not great, but like, I know how to handle him. I'm like, yeah, okay, so what if you meet somebody where you don't have to handle them and micromanage this relationship so we can survive? Mm -hmm. When Mike and I were dating, we I'm not going to tell you how long we were dating for because you will, will actually fall over in your chair because we got married really fast. I actually want to know now. <laughs> no, you, you're can't, gonna, you, you can't dangle you're gonna, that in front of yeah. No, what, three weeks? <laughs> no. Three months. Yeah. That is wild. Is that wild? That is wild. So ooh, it makes me sweaty. And we talk about <laughs> it now because I always tell him, if our daughter does this, it's a hard no. There, There's no, we are not paying for the wedding. We are not, like, this cannot happen. And I think no wonder my dad was having a midlife crisis. My dad didn't put up the Christmas tree that year. He is Mr. Hallmark Channel. He's Mr. He... I think he already put up his Christmas tree this year and it's the beginning of November because That's he hardcore. loves Christmas. He did not put up the tree that year because he was just like, what is happening? I'm so grateful it has worked for us. But we broke up for one day and <laughs> he broke up with me because he was he was just nervous. He hadn't felt like that before. And he I think we both knew the direction that it was heading. And I mean, he's, obviously, he's your age. 
Yeah, he's my yeah, age. Yeah, so you were both. We just 23. were both like, whoa. So we broke up, but he ended up having me come over to his house the day a day later, and it took some persuading for me to go because I had finally got to the point in my life where I was like, I'm not doing the one foot in, one foot out relationship anymore. That was my pattern. And so for that one day, we didn't talk. And he called me over to his house. And for I just knew something felt different. But he stood me in front of his mirror and he grabbed my hand and he was just sobbing. And he said, you're the person I want to walk through life with. And I think about that often because so often, we, I think we think of our partner of, well, I can't live without them. Who, I, I don't want to live without them. I can't live without them. But what I have found in my relationship, it wasn't the question of who do I don't want to live without. It's who do I want standing next to me when the hard life stuff comes, when when we move from being 23 to 33 to 53 to 63 to 75 to whatever age, who do I know is going to stay in this with me and we can work through it together? That was helpful for me in my relationship with my now husband because I realized that his characteristics were ones that I wanted to have through the rest of my life because I deserved to be treated that way too and vice versa. So I think that there's so much here with relationships that we could talk about for honestly hours. But as I think of the women who are listening, who maybe were like me and got and also got married young and, you know, because and I don't want to change the conversation too much, but I also think of when you're finding your identity in a relationship and you're trying to figure out who you are. That happens again when you enter motherhood, at least for me and for a lot of women that I know who are asking me, who am I now that I'm a mom? Because my life before is different than it is now. And, and I think that can be the same with relationships. And I think it is so important to have these conversations so that other women can know, hey, this isn't easy. <laughs> Having relationships with other people, finding yourself isn't Well, I'm not easy. a mom yet. And Truth be told, that is exactly why I'm not a mom yet. Because I'm like, I just figured my shit out. I'm like, I'm not trying to figure it out all over again. But I think, you know, men never really go through this phase of who am I outside of a dad when they have a kid, right? I mean, you know, that's an overarching. That At least my husband, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, we don't hear that conversation conversation happening with men, who am I outside of being a dad? Yeah. No. And I think it's because, again, women are taught, bred from a very young age that, like, your role as a woman is to be the caretaker, be the mom, whatever. And so it's like for women who have careers and lives and identities that they like outside of being a mom, it's really hard to reconcile that. It's hard to reconcile, I want to be with my child, but I also want this life. You know, you, you're you a mom. You're like, I want to be with my, I saw your story. You're like, this oh, is so going to be the for hardest me to leave 48 hours, yeah. but I'm also so excited. And it's like, you know, part of my Instagram handle is maybe both. Yes. Yeah, cheesy dad joke, mom joke, whatever. No, uh, but it's <laughs> so you are true. both. And like, 
men are taught from a very young age that they can have both and one is not in opposition with the other. Whereas women are like not really taught that. And I think the other half of that equation is too, it's like, you know, we applaud the the dad archetype picking up the daughter, learning how to braid his daughter's hair. Like, oh, look what a great dad he is, right? Which, awesome. Like, but also we need to champion the women who who only want to be moms. I never want people or women to think that if all they want in life is to be a mom, that that's not enough, right? Because that is so fulfilling in and of itself. And you should never let society tell you that you need to do something else in addition to being a mom. You know, I had so often in my 20s wished that I could be a mom and be happy the way that I saw some of my other friends, you know, they loved children. They just wanted children. And I was just like, I just am so desperate for this career that having a child I know is not going to replace that void in me. And so it's different for everybody. But I think that's why women go through a lot of questioning. And, you know, we're almost it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, God damn it. How dare you only want to be a mom? Don't you know what feminism and, you know, the women's rights movements have done for you? It's like, yeah, that's great. And that's great that that's an option now. And I think part of why feminism and, you know, to me, what feminism means is optionality. We have a choice now as opposed to before we didn't have a choice, you know, but like you have the choice and you chose to be a mom. That is not the lesser choice. And you had a choice and you chose to get a nanny so you can work full time while still being a mom. That is also not a lesser choice. It is about choices and it's about the one you make and that's the right one. And so there's no need to say like, I'm only this or I'm only that. And like, maybe you're everything. Maybe you're none of it. You know, maybe you don't want kids, you know, (laughs) so figure it out what it is. But, you know, people have a lot of opinions on how women should live. And a lot of those times it comes in the form of very subtle like manipulation from family members, from friends, from your community. So don't listen to any of that, you know. Thank you. That was that was so good. I also think that this conversation can be so supportive to have if you have found your partner or if you are engaged or dating or in a marriage and you're like, I feel like our relationship is maybe not where I hoped it would be by now. I know that a lot of women almost grieve that, but being able to sit down and have this type of conversation in a safe place with your partner, I think too, is so important of, hey, here's how I'm feeling or or here's some parts of my life I want to explore. Here's how motherhood is making me feel right now. And I also want to feel X, Y, or Z. And whether that looks like before we got married, this is the one thing I remember from our pre-marriage counseling. We went to a pre-marriage. So smart. Like counseling yeah. for, I don't know, however many weeks before we got married. It couldn't have been I've, that many I've, weeks I've because we got married after that. five months. So. <laughs> but I've had a lot of friends do that and they said it was really, really helpful. Yeah, it was so helpful. And and one of the pieces of advice that we got that we have taken all these years is never approach a situation coming to attack your partner. And so what they told us to do, which we do, is if there's something that is really pressing on you that you are upset about or that really needs to be changed, is setting a dinner for your spouse. That also signals because you tell them, hey, there's something that I really want to talk about. It's really important to me and I want to make sure that we're 
both making the space for each other that we can be heard and setting a dinner that like you can light a candle or there's the foods there it's ordering Very or ominous. whatever it's like, like oh, light the candle we go. now we're no, going to talk now, we're gonna, now you can speak <laughs> no but it's like yeah, this okay. more of a safe setting where it's like we're going to come and we're going to talk over this meal together instead of me coming to attack you which is where the friction comes in my relationship but i just want to encourage any women out there who are listening to to create a safe space, whether that's in your home or in a therapy office or in a support group or somewhere where if you feel like you wish you maybe heard this conversation when you were in your early 20s, but now you're married and your relationship's not where you thought you wanted it to be, there are still, there are paths forward and there are safe places to to help both of you be able to keep moving forward. What do you look forward to the most right now, now that you're in this place you in know, your life? It's funny. I don't look forward to anything, and I don't say that in an uninspirational way. I just mean that I am so happy. I am the happiest I have ever been in my life. I truly feel like I am living a life that I never even dared dreamed about I have a career that I never even thought I would ever have. I have an amazing husband. I don't look forward because I'm really happy where I am. And obviously I have goals and I want to work towards more in my career. But there's, you know, I used to go to bed all the time in my 20s and concoct all these like crazy dream scenarios in my head of like, what if I met this guy or like book this role and how that would change my life and how I would provide for my parents, you know, if I made this money and what what I would buy my mom, you know, and all of that has more or less come true. And so I'm so grateful for that. It is, you know, yes, I worked hard, but also I feel extremely blessed. And so I don't look forward. I'm very much, I've never been more in the present and I'm so happy for that as somebody who is anxiety ridden so stressed about the future usually. So it's final answer. To, to end this conversation, which thanks again for having this. This Thank has been- for having me. This has been so fun. If you could go back to younger Anna. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, and knowing the relationship you're in now with the career you have now, and maybe knowing the anxiety and the fear and just the feelings of being left out or not enough that younger Anna felt, what would you tell her now? I don't think I would tell her anything, to be honest, because I think she needed to live it to get here. Again, some people don't have to learn things the hard way, and I had to learn things the hard way. And I think that's the thing that scares me the most about being a mom, and I don't know how you feel with your little girl, is I don't want her to go through any of that. But I know if she doesn't, she's also going to grow up into a stunted adulthood. And so I think almost watching somebody that you love struggle is worse than going through it yourself. So I wouldn't tell her anything. She's got to figure it out on her own. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> this is why people come to you for advice on social media. My <laughs> like, brutal yet hopefully empathetic advice. 
Where can everyone come find you? You can find me on Instagram at maybe both, TikTok at it's maybe both, and my blog, maybeboth.com. We will link everything in the show notes below. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the Healing Her podcast. And until next week, take good care of yourself. I'm so honored you joined us for this episode of the Healing Her podcast, where healing isn't just a destination. It's an empowering, transformative adventure. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss brand new episodes each Tuesday. And if you're ready for more tangible tools, make sure you grab my best-selling book, I Am Here, wherever books are sold or in the link in the show notes below. Take good care of yourself until I see you again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.